Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's one thing you can always count on. God loves us, amen? All right, well, I'd welcome everybody here, the First Baptist Church in Corain, those that are here, those that are watching, those that are listening, wherever you may be, welcome. Uh, the theme today is the throne in heaven. The throne in heaven, we're reading, we're teaching, learning through the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible. I'm going to start in chapter 4 today, I'm going to be reading the whole chapter. After this I looked, there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I heard, first heard speaking to me like a trumpet, saying, Come up here, and I will show you what you must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one, one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were burning, blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under the wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you, are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor 
and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. May God give us understanding of his word this morning. Amen. Let's have a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do need understanding. We need discernment of these seemingly difficult passages. So help us to be tuned in and to concentrate. So easy to miss something in the next half hour, but we just pray that each one of us will be blessed and informed. We uh, give us understanding, we pray, help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I've entitled this message, A Glimpse of Heaven's Throne. I got a glimpse this morning just by reading those passages. But before I begin this fourth chapter, I need to emphasize again that the book of Revelation is full of symbolism, symbolic meanings, but that doesn't alter the fact that those symbolic meanings, those symbols, are true and real. And we also need to know why this book was even written at all. Well, the answer is found in the first chapter, verse 9. Jesus told the Apostle John while exiled on the island of Patmos for preaching the gospel. He was the only disciple that was left. The all, the, all the rest of them were deceased. And this is what Jesus told John to write. For what purpose? Write what you have seen, meaning what Jesus showed John to record. What is now? meaning what was happening while John was still alive. He was meant to record those things. And number three, what will take place later? In other words, future events. The book of Revelation is all about history and it's all about prophecy. What will happen in the future? Future events. Like I said, in this chapter, we just got a glimpse of what the Apostle John heard and what he saw, and he's written it down for us to read and learn. In this case, what it's like around the throne of heaven. Just a glimpse. So while on the island of Patmos, in the Greek islands, John heard the voice of Jesus, which sounded like a trumpet. It wasn't a trumpet. It sounded like a trumpet. And then he saw an open door to heaven. The open door symbolizes that God has made heaven accessible to everybody, every person who's ever been born on the face of the earth. However, admission is only available to those who receive Jesus Christ as their personal savior. If you want to get a pass to heaven, you've got to receive Jesus. It's a one-way ticket. You don't need a return ticket. 
That open door symbolizes that the door to heaven is open to everybody, but as long as they receive Jesus and only if they receive Jesus. My question to you is, have you received Jesus as your personal savior? Only you are able to answer that question. And I hope you will for your own sake, for your own benefit. If you want to go to heaven, that is. Now, if you've ever wondered what heaven is like, like I said, we're going to get a little glimpse. And then Jesus tells John to come on up. Not the price is right where he said, come on down. Not that you ever watched that, of course. Jesus told John, come on up. Come on up to heaven. Now, John's transportation to heaven compares to the future resurrection, or in other words, rapture of the church. You can read about that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, where we're told that the rapture, another word for the resurrection, occurs after a loud trumpet command. It's then that all believers in Jesus Christ will be transported like John was or caught up like John was from this, this earth to heaven in the twinkling of an eye. How, how, how quickly can you blink? It's going to happen that fast in the twinkling of an eye. Verse 2, John says that he was in the spirit and he saw someone sitting on a throne in heaven. Even though John's physical body was in Patmos, his spirit was transported into heaven. He had what you call an out-of-body experience. An out of bo Have you ever had an out-of-body experience? I did once. I remember sitting. This is way back in England. I must have been around 22 or so. And I was sitting in a chair and it seemed like my spirit came out of me and I was looking down at myself. It freaked me out. And I moved and suddenly I was back together again. John had an out-of-body experience. The prophet Isaiah saw a similar vision. God on the throne. He said, I saw the Lord. This is Isaiah. I saw the Lord high and lifted up, exalted and seated on the throne. You can read that, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. The image of God on the throne reveals God's sovereignty. He is sovereign. He is Lord of all. He is king over all creation. Verse 3. God resembled what looked like gemstones. He tells us what those gemstones were. Jasper and carnelian. That's in this version. Some of you is sardius. Jasper can come in different solid colors. This could portray Jesus as being the solid rock, the firm foundation. The carnelian or the sardius gemstone is ruby red. 
I told you that the jasper can come in various colours, but the carnelian, the sardius, is ruby red in colour. This portrays, or it can, and I don't have all the answers because it's all symbolic and nobody really knows for sure, but it could portray as Jesus Christ the Redeemer who shed his pure, precious, ruby red blood on the cross at Calvary. It's all symbolic, you say. Doesn't alter the fact that it's not true. And we know that he did. Amen? Interesting to note regarding these gemstones. And I know there's a lot to take in. In the Old Testament, Israel's high priests, they wore jasmine and carnelian gemstones, including 10 other gemstones on the breastplate of their priestly garments. Interesting. You can read that in Exodus 28, 17 through 21, those that take notes. Each of those 12 stones, those 12 gemstones, represent each tribe of Israel. How many tribes were there? Twelve. Now, just as the high priest, and it's all symbolic, but it's an actual fact. Just as the high priest wore the tribes, those 12 tribes, gemstones on his chest, on his garment, on his priestly garment, close to his heart. Amen? Likewise, we who know Jesus Christ, the great high priest, the great high priest, carry Jesus in our hearts. Amen? Beautiful example. The great high priest. John also saw what appeared to be like emerald rainbow encircling the throne. I don't believe it would go this way. I think it more likely to go this way. Not vertical, but horizontal. It was circling the throne. An emerald colored rainbow. Now you know emeralds are green in color. Could symbolize life. You know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you, only, you want to receive life, eternal life, you receive Jesus. Now, only God, who is the creator, can give physical life. And it's only God that can give us spiritual life through believing faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be be born again to receive eternal life and the life is in the son jesus christ so you receive him then you receive life you receive eternal life amen of course the the first rainbow we we've learned about this also in adult sunday school the first rainbow appeared to noah in the old testament after the great flood as a token of God's promise to never destroy the world again by water. That's a promise. Once you see the rainbow, you, we're reminded that God's promise 
He'll never destroy the world again by water. He will destroy the world by fire, though. That's written over in the book of uh, Peter, chapter, 2 Peter chapter 2. Second uh, Peter 2. Oh, wait a minute. Second Peter chapter 3. It's around verse 16. The emerald rainbow that encircled the throne was unbreakable, right? Like God's guaranteed promise of eternal life. It's, it's unbreakable. It's guaranteed to those that are in Christ Jesus. Now, what did John see? Some very strange things. In verse 4, we're told he sees this, these 24 elders sitting on thrones, obviously 24 thrones. Now, I don't care who they are. Nobody really knows who these elders are. But based on the context, the 24 elders appear, it seems, to represent the church, to represent the church. Because they were wearing white garments, which represents holiness. And once you receive Christ as your Savior, you're considered Without sin, you're considered righteous, just as if you had never sinned. They're also wearing golden crowns on their heads, depicting victory, approval, and also rewards. Rewards given by Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus is going to hand out the rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. What else did he see? Verse 5, he saw seven burning torches. He says, he, he tells us what they are, but it doesn't really explain what they are. He said that they are seven spirits of God. These are the seven spirits of God, which probably, I say probably, symbolize the seven attributes of the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn more about that in the next chapter. I'll go into more detail later on. But if you want to learn about what the seven spirits of God is, you can look up Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 and 3. You've got the different attributes. And I'll go into that in more detail, hopefully, next week. Lord willing. He also saw flashes of lightning. He heard peals of thunder coming from the throne. Must have been a scary thing. Now in uh, Genesis, you look back in Genesis, uh, sorry, Exodus 19, Moses, he wrote the first five books of the Bible, by the way, Moses tells us that when God gave him the Ten Commandments, there was thunder and lightning around Mount Sinai. And this acted as a barrier between holy God and the people to prevent them coming closer to the Lord and being obliterated, being wiped out, to being killed. Now what John saw and what he heard probably indicates the ultimate power and authority, the awesomeness and the supreme holiness of God, that nobody can approach him unless he gives them permission. Amen? Verse 6, 
John saw a sea of glass, clear as crystal, in front of God's throne. In the Old Testament worship, Israel's priests had to wash their hands and feet in water before approaching God. The washing symbolically, there's that word again, represents the cleansing of their sins. But in heaven, there's no need for cleansing from sin by water because there is no sin in heaven. If there was, it wouldn't be heaven, would it? There's no H2O in heaven either. There's no water in heaven. Just the pure, living sea of glass, crystal, pure and transparent. It's going to be a wonderful sight to see the things that John saw. We shall see, hopefully, one day. Through verses 6 through 9, John recounts that he saw four living creatures. You read that in verse 6, 7. Before the throne is what looked like a seven. The sea, the first living creature was like a lion. All right, this is the face of a lion. The second was like an ox. And the third had a face like a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. This is probably, again, symbolic of God's creation. All right, you've got it all there. You've got the birds, you've got the, you know, everything. Man, animals, birds, represented by these four living creatures around God's throne. They had eyes all over the place. So have you heard a saying, I don't have eyes in the back of my head? I wish I had. I had a, some skin cancer removed right here recently, and they took a skin graft from behind my ear. You can see it later if you want. And my wife, who's a nurse, has been working on it, and it took quite a while to heal. And I, if I had eyes in the back of my head, I would have been able to attend to that myself. But I couldn't, but she did. I wish I had eyes at the back of my head. These creatures, these four living creatures, they had eyes everywhere. They had eyes in the front, they had eyes in the back, they had eyes on the wings, and not just on the wings, they had them on the inside of the wings. Eyes everywhere. Eyes everywhere. What are they? Who are they? These are angels known as the seraphim. It's going to be amazing what's in heaven. Sights we've never seen. Things that we've never imagined. We're just getting a glimpse of what John saw. These were seraphim. They praise God day and night singing the word holy. Why three times? Because of the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, but one God. This refers to the holiness and eternal triune God who was and who is and who is to come. Did you know Jesus is coming back? Are you going to be ready when he returns? or you're going to be left behind. Jesus is coming back. You need to be ready. Are you ready? 
You've got to be ready. If you're not ready, you're not ready. Verse 9, the angels, this praise by those four angels, these angelic seraphim beings, it's ongoing. It's continuous. What are they doing? They're giving glory. They're giving honor. They're giving thanks to God because no one compares to him. He deserves all the credit that is rightfully his. Amen. Therefore, because he is beyond comparison, shouldn't we do the same? We ought to thank him every day. Do you? Even during the hard times. That's the best time to do it. Take your mind off your problems. Take your mind off yourself. When you start praising the Lord and the devil hates it, praise him every day for his love, for his grace, for his mercy, that he freely and graciously bestows upon us his children. Amen. We're blessed. We're blessed. Verse 10. 9 and 10 emphasizes the unending life of the one being praised. The unending life of the one being praised. God is eternal. He's always existed. Always existed. The angels, the four angels, and the 24 elders. You know, God's life has no beginning. It has no end. Like I said, he's always existed. He always will. He is eternal. And in an act of complete humility and submission, the 24 elders falling down in worship and they are lay their crowns before God's throne. They were wearing these golden crowns on their head, the 24 elders. And it seems that these uh, represent the church, like I said. And the church, members of the church, will receive crowns for being rewarded for their faithfulness. This is an act of worship. They take those crowns and they cast them before the feet of God. An act of worship, acknowledging that only God is sovereign, that only he is deserving and the word worship, it means to give credit. Credit where it's due. Worth. Worthy. That's what worship is. And that's one of the main purposes of coming to church. I hope you just don't watch TV evangelists or like you are on YouTube. You need to be coming to church and fellowshipping with other believers. That's one of the reasons we worship together. We worship God. Not just to get something for ourselves. Yes, obviously, we're going to get something out of it if we listen. We're going to be blessed by the word of God if you're a believer. But not just to get something for ourselves. Worship is when you give something to God, yourself. It's an act of worship to bring glory through our praise and thanksgiving. 
That's the purpose of meeting together. If you don't meet together, you can't do that. Amen? So I, I went to a church. I didn't get anything out of it. That's because you didn't give anything. You want to get something, you need to give something. Amen? I'm almost finished. I normally go about half an hour. I have been known to go longer. What else did he see? He saw the crowns worn by the 24 elders. These are literally incorruptible crowns, including the crown of righteousness, the crown of life, and the crown of glory. We've, we've, we've studied these before. And if you want to learn more about them, quickly, 1 Corinthians 9, Timothy chapter 4, James chapter 1, and Psalm 1, Psalm 5 as well. Corruptible crown, including the crowns that they cast before the throne. They have returned to the Lord, you notice. They don't keep the crowns. They return to the one who sits on the throne. Why? Why would they do that? Because he alone deserves the glory. He alone deserves the credit for those rewards that are won by believers. Because without him, we wouldn't receive any crowns. Without him, we can do nothing. Amen? He gives us, he gives us the power. He gives us the knowledge. He gives us the wherewithal to serve him to receive those crowns, to receive those rewards. Now, like it says, you are worthy, in verse 11, you are worthy. You ever, you ever feel, felt unworthy? You ever felt unworthy? Well, we are, but he sees us in Christ. He says we are worthy, but he is more worthy. You are worthy, O Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being so today we've just got a, a glimpse of the throne in heaven what can we learn from this message today what have we learned well, I hope by now that only God deserves the glory, the honor, and the praise, and the worship that he deserves. That he is the supreme sovereign who rules the universe as its creator. Only almighty God can do that. Creation does not exist by accident. God spoke everything into existence, including all the laws of nature. Mother nature doesn't exist. All right? Mother nature didn't do it. Father God did it. Furthermore, no such thing as mother nature. Hello? It's ridiculous. Every human being owes their existence to God, God's creative handiwork. He is the everlasting, the all-knowing, the all-seeing one who alone is worthy to receive 
honor, glory, worship, and praise. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we're so thankful for everyone that's here today, those that are listening, those that are watching, wherever you may be. We're thankful for you. I hope you got a blessing from this message this morning and help us to consider where we will spend eternity. So one day that we can worship the Lord and see the Lord high and exalted and lifted up. We can. We can get a pass. The door is open for those that have received Jesus Christ as their personal saviour. And he is the only way, he is the truth, he is the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. And I hope and pray that you will call upon the name of the Lord to save you so you can receive life eternal. And for the rest of us, help us to continue to meet together. And when we don't, to continue to praise and worship you and offer up ourselves as a living sacrifice each and every day, which is our reasonable service. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, who is worthy. Amen? Amen. Thank you, and God bless you all. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Colerain for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Colerain, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.